0: I'm very glad to be in church this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord! I am. I'm telling you that right now. Amen. Um, I was on vacation last week, but I'm back. <laughs> Amen. Amen. How many missed me? Amen. Nobody. Oh, praise the Lord! And um, I got a message this morning. I was uh, actually I got this while I was on vacation. Even uh, practically, I was on my way home, and um, God gave me the message. He said, and, and the title of my message this morning is "The Measured Life." I've seen this over and over in the, in the Bible, but God just kept bringing it up back to me the, for, to share uh, as a message. And I want to start this morning in Mark chapter 4. This is, a, a, um, this is the, the parable that Jesus taught. Matter of fact, he was talking about the sower and the seed, but he also, after he got done with the parable in Mark chapter 4, his disciples wanted to talk to him about the parable and give it some explanation. Jesus said, if you cannot understand this parable, how can you understand all the other parables? So this one particular parable that Jesus was talking about is key. And he talks about the sower And the He talks about how the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the seed that goes forth is, is the word of God. But what the ground it falls on determines its harvest, determines its outcome. In other words, and Jesus is teaching like this. So he's saying, well, some seed falls on stony ground, takes no root, and so on and so forth. When tribulation, trial and tribulation come for the Word's sake. How many know trial and tribulations uh, come at us for the Word's sake, not just for our sake, but for the Word's sake, um, uh, when we're in the Word? And he goes on, he describes the soil. Finally, he comes to the good soil, to where when the seed is received into the soil, how many know the life is in the seed, but when the seed is planted, it's the soil that releases the life that's in that seed? Uh, but until a seed is planted, there is no life for it to see. So he goes on, he's explaining this, but he says something here that I want to uh, dial in this morning. It's also, uh, I see the same phrase used in Luke, and I see the same phrase used in Matthew. Uh, but it says this in, Luke, in, in Mark chapter 4, and verse 24, he said unto them, he says, take heed what you hear. In other words, he was talking about Ken coming off the sowing of the word, and the word goes forth, that's hearing the word, some hear the word some are uh, good ground, some not not so good ground. And he goes on, so he was talking about hearing the word. But he says this, he said, with the same measure you use, I'm reading out of the New King James, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. And I thought, he said, wait a minute, the, the measure that you use, that I use, the measure that we use, uh, Jesus is saying determines the, how the Father is going to bless us, or the increase that we're going to get. I, I thought, well, okay. Let me let me drop down to Luke. This is the um, Christian did the offering this morning, and he used the same scripture that I have here, Luke uh, uh, Luke six thirty eight, and uh, but it says it says this, and we read this over. This is an offering uh, uh, um, scripture, but it says it says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And Jesus is saying, it will be put into your bosom. Now, we don't understand that's kind of an old language, but bosom is what they used to do, is they had an apron. And when they went out into the collect the harvest, they would pick up the apron, that was called the bosom, and they would put into the the bosom for the harvest. Then they would go over to the other place where they uh, contained or whatever they collected, and they would dump that in and go back into the field. So the bosom was actually coming directly from the tree or from the harvest into that particular apron, and that was called a bosom. And he says, he says, he says, uh, he says for the, it will be put into your bosom. He said, now look, here he goes again. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you again. In other words, with the same measure that you put forth, you put forth, God measures back what he gives and fills, fills up your apron or fills up your bosom. So here it is. And now the third scripture is, is mat, uh, Matthew chapter seven, verse two. He says, for with this judgment you shall judge, uh, you will be judged. Now he's talking about judgment now, and how we judge others, and how we speak forth. He said, for the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you again. Over and over, Jesus is using the same phrase, the measurement that we put forward is the same measurement that we get back. Amen? And now, not to confuse things, but I was reading in John this morning... And it talks about that Jesus was given the spirit of God without measure. So all the fullness that we have is through Christ. And Jesus himself is saying that when we bring a measure, bring whatever portion we bring forth, God begins to fill that up. And that measure, and, and so, so what actually sets the blessing coming back, now of course what he does, he said it'll be pressed down, shaken together and running over. So God has a bigger portion, but he's still gauging what we're willing to give him. I was sharing with the leaders in the war room, and I said, said, it's like if, okay, you come to God with a quarter cup measuring cup. Okay, then he takes a full cup and pours pours it into the measuring cup, so it's filled up and it overflows. You get the picture? But what if you came to him with a bucket? Well, God's going to take and fill that bucket. So if we got a, if we got a measuring qu- with just a quarter cup and he fills it with a one cup, it pours over the side, what happens if we come to him with a five-gallon bucket? Then he fills that up and that overflows also. But you see the two difference in the portions. Uh, it depends on what we set forth and set before the Lord to fill. So whatever measure you use, I looked up that word measure in the Greek and it says a limited portion degree or standard. So what happens is when we serve God, when we give Him uh, what we have to give, that determines our measure or our portion, and that's what braces the blessing in which He blesses us back. Are you here this morning? Amen? Amen? So so I, I saw this is directly connected, so I went through the Scriptures and found some other Scriptures, but, the, but it's, it's directly connected to what God wants to give. He has a desire to give a portion, but I've said this I've been saying this now, I've been preaching the same thing for weeks now. I says, God is looking to co-labor with us. So what happens is, in the earth, when we go ahead and set our standard or set our measure forward this morning, God's going to bless you according to that measure. Oh, let's take it for a church service this morning. Well, if you come into the church service and you're all enthusiastic and you really want to get into worship and you just uh, uh, imagine what God is going to do, guess what? That's your measure. But if you get a coming kind of lackadaisical, you're yawning and just sitting here trying to fill your time, that's your measure. Amen? That's your measure. Uh, if you're if you listening to this word going forth and you're, you're hanging on the word, you get it, well, then that's your measure. But if the, the word is going forth and you're just kind of bored, you're just kind of sitting there, you don't really uh, uh, care about anything that I'm saying this morning or anything that the Spirit of the Lord might say this morning, you get, then that's your measure. So God is going to give back according to what you receive. So if I'm receiving the word and taking it in, guess what's going to happen? My measure is going to be bigger. If I'm destined to, on following the words of God and doing, applying it to my life, my measure is going to be bigger. At the measure is bigger, though we're sitting in the same church. Hmm. It's amazing, because I've, I've seen this all my life in, in, in churches. One person who really is enthusiastic about things that God does Seems to get more blessing than the person who just kind of ho hum fulfills a religious duty. So it does make a difference. I've seen it all my life. I've seen this. This does make a difference. So how we apply ourselves and how we give our measure. So the Lord said it. I mean, this is this is the words of Jesus. This is what he was saying. He says, "So the measure you use, it'll be measured back. The measure you use. So the measure you use begins to set the standard." Are we here this morning? Praise the Lord i got to think about all the applications and all the things, and I I, I come to this determination. How many know we have promises from God? He gives us promises. See, with the measure that we say yes to the promises of God, in that measure we step into the fullness of our design. I'm going to say that again. With the measure that we say yes to the promises of God, so is it yes like kind of, yeah, I mentally ascend, or is it? Yeah, I'm going after this. I don't care what it takes. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm all in for this thing. That's the measure we set forth, and that determines on how the promise is going to be poured out on you. Well, this is a better message I'm getting response to this morning. Praise the Lord. We're just getting warmed up here. Amen. All right. So this is. So what he says. So uh, uh, we step into our design. I'm. Uh, the, the promises that God's given, i am going to talk about this a, a little bit too. How many know that uh, the Promised Land? God had promised Israelite the Promised Land. The Promised Land was Israel. Of course, they come out of uh, Egypt. They come to the wilderness, and so they got to the, to the Promised Land. How many know that was a fulfillment of their destiny that God had promised Abraham when they came out? Amen. So, that, so the promise entering into the promise is important. How we enter in what we what we do. Uh, that which the Lord, I put this in my notes also. That which uh, we give to the Lord in measure sets the measure, and which is measured back to us. I already covered that. That which we hold back, that which we hold back, will work against divine purpose. So God has given us the divine purpose to come in and trust to Him and to bring forth a measure to Him. And that measure is how he blesses us back. We know this. In, it, this isn't just tithes and offerings. We we know tithes and offerings. Well, if I come in, he who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. Again, God has set the standard. It's up to us. What do we do next? How we how do we want to determine? How do we want to be blessed the Lord? I'm not just asking the Lord to fix my problems. I mean, a lot of times we want we, we got the life that we want. We want God to bless what we've already decided. i got news for you. The Bible doesn't work that way. It is God. Amen? But however, he's got a purpose and a destiny, and he's laid out a, a promise for each one of us. And when we step in and fulfill that promise, then we f- start b- begin to uh, fulfill our divine destiny. Amen? So that measure becomes more and more important, doesn't it? Amen. So whatever the measure is, wherever you start, fine, start. But I think we should, as, as Christians, we should be growing that measure and doing more and more what we can to begin with. Now, I'm not talking about working your way through salvation. I'm not talking about that at all. We're saved by grace. I'm not talking about, uh, uh, well, you earn, earn everything you get. And I'm not talking about that either. I'm talking about the offering that we give to the Lord whether ourselves, our time, our tithes, our offerings, or whatever, what our measure that we get, Jesus said it himself, in the measure that we give him, okay, God blesses back, but more. He increases that measure. So the bigger measure that we have, the more the increase. It's still going to be chock full, <laughs> is that a thing? filled up, overflowing over the top, because God is always going to do more than what we've given him. Whatever we've sacrificed to give to Him, He's always gonna—can I say it? One up us? (laughs) Maybe ten up us? I don't know. He's gonna—he's gonna always do better than what we put forth for Him. That's what I love about the Lord. Amen. So the thing is that—praise the Lord. When God asks for more, it's so He can increase our return. When God asks us to do more, He's not just looking for more; He's looking to increase our return. I, get, uh, uh, I put this in my notes. I want you to understand. I, I shared this last night in a, during our Harp and Bull meeting. I said this. I said, you know, the Lord re- rewards maturity with increased responsibility. The Lord rewards maturity with increased responsibility. Now, some people may not like that. But how many know when I, t- I mentioned Joshua, we go from Moses to the, to the uh, from being exiled out of Egypt. We go into uh, the children of Israel, go into the wilderness They go from the wilderness, and then, of course, Joshua is the next leader who takes them into what's called the promised land. The promised land we know to be Israel. But that promised land, why is it promised? It was promised to Abraham back when God had a covenant with Abraham. And that was it. So the whole setting of the promised land was would you call that advancement. So what God was doing with Israel, he was moving them out of slavery, which is bondage, how I many would agree that the Egyptian was bondage? He's moving people out of bondage. First, there's a time in the wilderness, and in the wilderness, God is just dropping manna. He's just, he's just supplying manna. But then, when Joshua comes, he leads him into the promised land. The promised land wasn't about sitting around getting God's blessings and getting manna. What was it was about? It was about tilling the soil. Matter of fact, the, 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 the Jordan split you remember, they each picked up 12 stones out of the bottom of the Jordan. They set it as a, as a memorial on the other bank as they entered the promised land. And they come between two mountains, and the valley was called Shechem, and they come into the promised land. One mountain was Ebal, the other was Gerizim, one was Cursings, and one was Blessings to remind the people what brought them there. And this was the conditions of the covenant. Now, from that point on, as soon as they went across that Jordan River, as soon as they got onto the other side, guess what happened? The manna stopped. So it looked like, in the natural, it looked like God had forsaken them and God held back a provision. How many of you have ever been in that situation? But instead it wasn't. It was actually advancement and maturity. Now they're coming into the promised land to where now God wants to work with them. So now it wasn't about them tilling the ground. It was them tilling the ground, planting the seeds, but it was a supernatural increase that God was going to bring up from their labors. So maturity, okay, the maturity uh, uh, of, of Israel uh, uh, give increased responsibility. Now they're responsible for planting their crops and, plant, and seeing the increase of God. So God would work that way in the, in, in the tilling of the soil he, and the blessing of their crops. So what happens, they put their measure forth, the work, the labor, and then God would bring the increase over and above. So instead of just getting a normal crop, uh, you know, 20, 30 bushels an acre or whatever they're planting. Now they're, now they're talking 200 bushels an acre because God has supernaturally worked with their works that they were doing. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's, this is how it works. So what measure are we given to the Lord? I think a measure can be sometimes in our prayer, prayer time. Everybody's ever noticed that God wants to, wants to lay something in your heart. He, he wants you to pray or intercede. And that time we give interceding, guess what? God is taking that, and he's bringing back a blessing for us. Amen? I've told our prayer teams lots of times, uh, you may come into a prayer meeting, you may, you may have a need yourself, you may have a physical need. How many times have I had my body under physical attack, but I instead of praying for myself or having others pray for me, I went and prayed for somebody else. And as I'm praying for somebody else, healing came over my body. Isn't it amazing how that works? That's pressed down, shaking together, and running over. <laughs> Amen? That's the pressed down, shaking together, running over. So what happens? I took the time, put forth a measure, and believing God, and praying over that person, and having the same thing happen to me. And I used to say this. I said, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. But if he can't get it through you, there's very seldom he's ever going to get it to you. Why? Because he's looking for that measure. Are we on the same page this morning? Praise the Lord. So I got look at this. I said, man, the Lord rewards maturity with increased responsibility. In other words, we are designed for work. Don't, don't touch that dial. <laughs> don't, don't flip to the <laughs> Hear me out. We are designed for work. The promised land was not as sitting on the beach. As I told you, it wasn't just sitting around. It was happening, it was happening in our country today is is people are don't want to work or are not looking for work, but the problem is what they're missing is the fulfillment of our design is found in work. God uses the very work that we do, and this is where he where we come forth of our design. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've been in Key West for what thirty two years. We've been preaching the gospel here and doing different things. In the, and I I've seen several preachers come down here start works and then just get discouraged and give up. Why? Because they figured their measure that was going forth, God wasn't blessing it because they weren't seeing the fruits necessarily in their churches. But I, I went to the Lord. I had the same questions when I, came, when I came to Key West, and I asked the Lord. He says, you, he says your fruits go beyond. And he said, the borders are Key West. And it was amazing because basically it was, it was several years ago, but um, I had an opportunity to go to the mission field so I was asked the church here, would you send me, would you, would you plant me into, the, uh, send me out into the mission field and release me as an offering to these other nations? And, and, and I used to come home, I felt kind of bad because I'd come home, I'd, I'd go to several places. We'd go to uh, Chile, Guatemala, I mean, I've been to uh, West Africa, uh, um, you know, Ghana, uh, Ivory Coast, different places like that. And every time i come home, the church would just prosper. (laughs) So I got to think, I said, well, maybe the church does better if I stay away. (laughs) My my wife says, no, that's not it at all. But in sowing this, giving our portion, what happened? What instead of just looking at Key West as our ministry, I began to look at the world as our ministry. And the more I looked at the world, the more God was able to bless and put the portion back here. And so, so I would go to the mission field, and man, God would just fill up our cup. I mean, every which way, Uh, financially, you you name it, Uh, peace, uh, miracles would happen. I mean, different things would happen here. I would go in the mission field, and we experienced miracles all the time. And we are traveling around to do it, laying hands on people, and I'd be thinking about home. I wonder how things are going at home. And God says, you have to leave it to me. Trust that I'm I'm there, that I'm with uh, at home. He said, this is your measure. This is what you've given. You've given what you can do. This is what you're doing. He said, now, he said, I'm giving my measure back because of that measure. So because of the release of going to the foreign nations, God began to pour the thing back in here, and that's how it works. It wasn't just about money, because I know we got this down in some of the prosperity ministers. They'll always talk about money. It's not just about money. It's about our life. God is, is, doesn't need your money. He walks on the streets of gold. How rich is he? He got gates that make uh, made out of pearl. How big was that oyster? Amen? That's another thing. The gates of heaven are pearl gates, right? Is what the Bible says? Guess how do you get a pearl? Pearls are, are produced through irritation. They can manufacture pearls in an oyster. They just take them, put a little, a little pebble or something there to give that oyster irritation, and it will form a pearl around that irritation. So gates of pearls are formed by irritation. I just don't want to be that one forming the gates for him. (laughs) Uh, Praise the Lord, (laughs) Amen. But it absolutely works. We've seen this over and over again. But many people will get discouraged in starting ministries in Key West simply because it isn't. They're not seeing the, the flocks. They're not seeing the groups. God showed me a long time ago. He says, He says, He says, You're putting forth your measures. I'm putting forth my measure. He says, You would not because you don't see what you think and you're seeing. He said, But it's happening. Amen. I mean, no. Oh, God looks at a city. It's not just about how many people he can get out on Sunday morning. When he looks at a city, he's looking at the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Who will stand against Him and, and proclaim his gospel? Amen. Amen? And we've been challenged over the years to do that here in Key West, just to stand and believe. Pray for a city. Come against the principalities and powers of darkness and, let, and just let God's light shine. It doesn't take much light. Only a little light can sp- dispel a lot of darkness. Are we here this morning? Yes. All right, praise the Lord. So the fulfillment of our design is found in work. It really is. Amen? I don't know, our future uh, is designed by promises. Just like Israel, God says, okay, here's the promised land. I'm going to release you into the promised land. This is what it is. Oh, guess what? By the way, by the time you get to the promised land, you are got to do some warfare. So you're going to cross the river Jordan, and the first thing you're going to do is come to Jericho. And what happens to Jericho, you're going to have to take that city. And he said, when you take that city, don't take anything out of the city. You're going to win the war. I'm going to see to it that you win the battle. But you're not entitled to the spoils. The spoils, God says, are mine. So what was he doing? He was causing Joshua and the nation of Israel to increase their measure so he could measure back the rest of the land. Jericho became this one city that they took. It seemed to be impossible. Isn't it amazing? Everything God wants us to do seems impossible. We're praying, 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 God, we need strength for the battle. How many of you have ever prayed that prayer? God, I just need strength for the battle. At the same time we're praying, God, I need strength for the battle, he's saying, you're going to get your strength in the battle. Praise the Lord. That went better the first time I preached that in the war room. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. But that's the truth. Joshua didn't know what he was. He went to Jericho, and he says, okay, Lord, what do I do? Joshua fought battles before, but he didn't rely on what he knew. He relied on what the Lord said. Amen. He didn't rely on what I, can, what I can do. Everybody knows what you can do. But what can the Lord do through you, that made the difference. And that took down this, the walls of Jericho. It had to come down supernaturally. But then what happened was somebody cheated in that whole thing. Achan cheated, and he took something out of it that didn't belong to him, because God says all, that, all the spoils of that war are mine but Achan took back something and when they went to Ai which was a smaller town less fortification should have been easy they lost they lost lies and then God Joshua went back to God and he said what, what was the problem he said he said because there's he said there's an Achan in your camp who who took from the spoils and of course when they dealt with that guess what they took the rest of the promised land so it was a supernatural taking at the corner of God. So where did the courage come from to take those battles? Had to come from the Lord. And it come off a victory, off a victory, off a victory. But the victory was all accounted because the Lord gave them the victory. Because of their measure, they, they turned over to the Lord. God didn't pick up a sword. They had to pick up the sword. God didn't blow the shofar. They had to blow the shofar. God didn't march around the city seven times. They had to the march around the city seven times. Are you hearing? This comes off of the uh, off of the different uh, different aspects. But I, I got looking at this. Uh, uh, and let me give you 2 Kings. You can turn there if you want to. 2 Kings chapter 13. I'm going to talk about the story of Elisha. How many remember Elisha? Elisha, in 2 Kings 13, Elisha's on his deathbed. He's done his service to the Lord. He's been prophet over Israel, uh, and now he's on his deathbed. And the king of Israel, Joash, come, come to him, and he says, and he says, um, you know, to, to pay him respect, uh, um, you know, as a prophet, who is a prophet of the nation. So he comes in there, and all of a sudden, uh, as the king walks into the door, now this is the leader of the entire uh, Samaria, the entire northern Israel nation, he's, and he comes in there to pay his respects to uh, Elijah, and he says to me, he says, he says, he says uh, to Elijah, he says, Elijah, Elijah, my father in the chariots of Israel thereof. In other words, he's paying him respect. And uh, Elijah said, he says, uh, he says, take your bow, open up the window. And so he opens up the, the east window, which is towards the east. He says, take your bow and put an arrow in your bow. So the king takes his bow and he begins to stretch it back. He puts the arrow in his bow. And when he does that, he says the prophet, Bible says the prophet lays his hand upon the hand of the, of, of the king. He says, now shoot. And he slings the arrow out the window in the easterly direction. He says, so the arrow of the Lord will free you from your enemy, Syria. He says, he says and he says, he says, well, let me read it right here. He said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance of Syria, you must strike the Syrian Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. And then he says to him, he says, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king, he says, strike the ground. Now here's where it all goes wrong. Now the prophet sees how many times that they have to beat the enemy to totally annihilate the enemy. But the king responds this way. He just hits the ground three times. Now let me give you Elijah's response to the king In verse 19, 2 Kings 13, verse 19, And the man of God, that would be Elijah, was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times then you would have struck Syria till till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Who was the word from? God gave the word to the prophet. The prophet was sharing what the Lord said. Now, he didn't say how many times to strike the ground, did he? He left that measure up to the king. But the king's half-heartedness for battle or whatever his reason held back two or three of those strikes that he should have given. And now that enemy was... Good. Now, it wasn't just about the king and his faith, but the king it also affected all the people of an entire nation. And that was it. But instead of, they fell short instead of doing extra. I don't know, if I was a king and that was the word of the Lord, I'd I'd still be there hitting that ground. (laughs) The fact is, is all they had to do really is take out the strongest enemy. And that would have freed them from all the rest. How many times have God spoke to us coming into the church or into a prayer meeting and He spoke to us do this, do this, but we half-heartedly you know, you tick, tick, tick on the ground. You know, well, you know, I, I, I don't feel good. I got a headache. I'm just, just going to go through the motions. You know how pastor gets if we don't show up. You know, I don't know. I'm going to tick, tick, tick on the ground, and then we wonder why. Hello, Hello then we wonder why, yep. pastor. I don't know what's going on. I serve God, and it just, just, all things to fall the hell in the handbasket. Mm-hmm. Check your measure. Check your measure. Because Syria came back after three, three defeats. They came back strong after three defeats, and a lot of people died because a king had a half-hearted approach to it. I like when I heard one preacher say one time. He said, when a pastor gets in a pulpit, he said, what it means, he said, when we bring a message, he said, we never know how it's going to affect a person. Of course, now on live stream, we're, we're, we're preaching all over the world. Never know how a person is going to pick up that message and how it's going to minister to them. He said, we deal with life and death issues every time we get in the pulpit. I heard that. That impacted me. This was years ago. Impacted me. We deal with life and death issues? Yeah. Eternal life and death issues. Because one word from a preacher got me into the kingdom. Where would I have been without it? So one word can make a change. So you can see the prophet now. He, the prophet's seeing how this is supposed to pan out, and the and the king falls one one falls two or three short from what God wanted. So he didn't destroy the enemy; he won three battles. But then he had the problem left to the next king, to the next king, to the next king. Well, you go to Israel today; Syria is still a problem. Amen. But that God was given an opportunity but because he approached the things of God half-heartedly with no respect to to what God was saying. He had a respect for the prophet, but he seemed to have a lack of respect when it came to the word of the prophet and trusting him in it. I say lack of respect. I mean, what happens is God gives us his word, and then we don't follow it. We almost call him a liar, don't we? But but the the fact is, he held one short. So what happens is we come into a prayer meeting, we come into a, 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 where we get to, I like prayer meetings because basically in this church, we all pray. We all get get the opportunity to pray, let me put it that way. Amen, we all get an opportunity. So we all come with a measure. Remember Jesus talked about the measure of faith. Amen. He said, if you have the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, he says, you can say unto this mountain, be thou removed. Mountains are not talking about, it, are, are allegory for principalities and powers and darkness. In other words, authorities. A mountain is a, is, is a type of authority. He said, but if you have the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, he says, you can say unto that mountain, get, get out, be removed, and it will obey you. Well, the mustard seed in a seed form doesn't do that, but when we plant it in the ground and release the life that's in that seed, this is what Jesus was saying. If we hear, we're going to hear the word of God. We're not alive because we are breathing. We're alive because he speaks. Remember what what Jesus told Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, we're alive because Jesus speaks. Let's get that straightened out right there. Praise the Lord. So that seed, once that seed is planted, which Jesus is referring to words, when that word is planted in the good soil, when we hear the messages and we begin to listen to that message and it be- takes root in our hearts, then it begins to change our life. And guess what? Now we come forth with a larger measure, don't we? And that larger measure is what we're looking for because that larger measure of abundance also leads to another sowing of a measure. Now we see this happens. What happens? All of a sudden our measure got bigger. Because, we, hey, listen, I remember the last time I did this, I came up with this measure. Now, no, I'm going to bid a whole acre field to him. <laughs> and watch what he does to pour it out, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Amen? So basically, we're determining the effect of God upon our life, in a sense. Amen? Like I said, no, you're saved, you're saved. I'm not talking about salvation, but we're talking about what we give back to. The Lord. the Lord used this in three categories. When we judge things, when we give of something and what we hear. So those are the three categories that Jesus uses. Those are all put forth in a measure. Salvation, you have salvation. You don't, get, you, don't get a little bit, you don't get a little bit saved. Just like a woman don't get a little bit pregnant. Hello. Huh? Did a woman ever go to the doctor and say, don't worry about it, doc, I'm just a little pregnant. No, you ain't. And in nine months you're going to find out how much pregnant you are. Well, it's kind of like when God gives us something, praise the Lord, you know, well, I got a little bit of God. No, you don't. When you have salvation, you either have salvation, you don't have salvation. Or you don't have nothing. Amen? I, I like how we want to deal out things. To, and we, we say, well, I want, I want salvation, but I don't want that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, so you're going to dictate to God what you need. Your measure went from here to here. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit where God says you get power. Matter of fact, he came as a command to the disciples, you remain until you receive the power from the Holy Spirit from on high. He can get Jesus, we didn't even let him preach. would not let him do anything until he received the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Hmm. So I, I learned a long time ago, I'm not telling God how I want to be blessed. I'm just going to make sure my measure is up. So when I see things in our ministry, what happens? Is we, we see things happening. We see things that are kind of cooling down or looking like this. Not me. Man, I'm, 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 we need a bigger portion here. So I'm looking for something to change so we can get a bigger measuring cup. I'm not going to come to him with some tablespoon. Forget that. I'm looking for some more buckets. I'm going go to Home Depot and buy them orange buckets, you know, and say, <laughs> fill them up. Well, get a wheelbarrow. Fill that up, Lord. Amen. Because I know it's going to overflow no matter what I what I give them. When, no matter what portion I give them, I'm going to overflow. So who, why not go f- go for it? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So no more tick 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 on the ground. Until, well, I'll tap three times. That I'll be happy. That I'll be sufficient. Well, am I supposed to tithe off the gross or tithe off the net? Remember that old argument. I don't know. How much do you want back? <laughs> you, can, you don't have to tithe at all. Your portion is going to tell you which, one, which way it's going to come. So, hey, <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen? <coughs> Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing, the number one thing that I see in the Bible talks about, because this is what affects our measure a lot of times, affects our portion. The number one thing that the Bible talks about is, is fear. How many of you heard that? Uh, number one thing is fear. Fear, anxiety interferes with the ability to hear God. That's one of, the, one of the reasons the enemy likes to use it for an attack. We are designed to hear from God, but when fear comes in, it brings with all the other voices that interfere with us hearing the one thing God says to us. Fear just shuts down. How many know what I'm talking about? Numbers chapter 13. I'll give you this scripture. Numbers chapter 13. Moses comes up to a a place and he sends takes 12 spies. 12 spies means a representative from each of the tribes of Israel. Do you remember that? I remember the 12 spies that Moses sent out. So he sends out the 12 spies. He said, okay, you spy out the land. In other words, you check out the land that we're going to inherit. So what happened was they went out. All 12 saw the same thing. All 12 went with the anticipation of getting what God had for them. Did they or did they not? I mean, they were sick of the wilderness, okay? They, they were ready. Let's get out of this wilderness. We're going around the same mountain over and over again, and I'm tired of eating manna. Let's get something different. So they all went with an anticipation, but not all of them came back with the same report. They all saw the same thing, but the, the, the difference was in the report. How many you know what they're talking about? Amen? And some of them came back. It says, it says not one of the 12, not one of those 12 went there Okay, and chose fear. Not one of them. They went there, they were, they were anticipating the best. Not one of them chose fear. They all chose wisdom. Would you agree to that? Yes, we need to get out of this wilderness, we need to get into the promise that God shows us, going into the promise of God, that's wisdom. So basically all 12 chose wisdom. They didn't choose the fear. But here's the thing, a lot of times fear masquerades as wisdom. Many times, fear masquerades as wisdom. Listen, uh, if you're fearful of this, it, 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 I mean, some of your friends will call you, a, well, you're a wise person. I'm gonna stay away from that, I'm gonna stay away from this, i stay away from that. They'll call you a wise person because fear sometimes cause, masquerades as wisdom. Okay, well, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. It will. The 12 spies came back. They didn't come back with lies. They told the truth. They come back and said exactly what they saw. We saw giants in the land. Well, the sons of Anak, they were, they were big guys. They said, and, and we look like grasshoppers in our own sight. In other words, they had a poor self-image when they come back. <laughs> Unless you like grasshoppers and you want to look like one. I don't know, praise the Lord. But the fact is, no, we look like grasshoppers in, our, in their sight. Amen. But every one of them went out thinking they were operating in wisdom. Matter of fact, when they came back, the ten said, they said, no, we, we can't take this land. No, it's too big. We, don't, we Thought they were operating in wisdom to protect themselves. They didn't see fear. They saw wisdom. But Joshua and Caleb looked at it from a different angle. Now, they saw the same giants. They stood at the same land. They went to the same place. But what they saw, they saw the goodness out of the land, the, the, the grapes that they had to haul back and, 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 and different things like that. They saw all the goodness of the land. They saw the giants too, but they said, you know what? This is a setup. God's going to give us his land. We don't care how big the giants are. And they chose to look at the promise. That was their portion. But because the 12 outnumbered them, the 12 outnumbered the vi- they went with a fear and walked away from the promised land for another generation. And Joshua finally, Joshua and Caleb finally did take that promised land, but they had to wait for all the other ones to die off. Can you imagine that? Waiting for all the doubt and belief to die off before you can take a hold of the promise. I would have been tempted to go it alone. (laughs) But that wouldn't have worked either, praise the Lord, because they all had to go. Amen? We feed our hearts on just facts sometimes in different circumstances. We feed our hearts on just facts. We react in fear and never recognize it as fear. We'll think it's wisdom. Amen? Because God sometimes isn't factual. Amen? If I live cautiously, my friends will call me wise, but you won't move many mountains. I heard another preacher say this, not my quote, but I heard another preacher say, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that's right. You can live listen to your friends, but how many mountains are you moving? Praise the Lord. Amen. Joshua and Caleb got up and they brought a word. Listen to this. And this is, I'm gonna kind of close out with this, but listen to this. Joshua and Caleb bring a word of the Lord to a nation. They were prophesying the word of the Lord. This is in Numbers 14:9. But they brought, and, he said, and they said this, they said, only do not rebel against the Lord. Now they're trying to convince the people from all these other ten spies, that's okay, God is with us. But they made this statement, do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Do not rebel against the Lord. In other words, Joshua and Caleb said, by not entering the promise, we're in rebellion against God. By not entering in what God has promised, we are rebelling against God. Because they said, do not rebel. Do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of this land. I like this statement. He said, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Now, like I said, none of them went in there with fear. They thought they were being wise. They thought they were moving in wisdom. But I like how he says it. He says, do not rebel against the Lord. So I guess it means the same today, that if we refuse to enter into the promises that God has for us, that God considers it rebellion. Because the promise that he has for us is not only to provide for us, but also to protect us. Hmm. Praise the Lord. I got a little book I carry in my briefcase. It's, it, it's old. I had it for years and years and years. But it says it talks about the promises of God. It goes through all the different promises of the Bible. I got to break that open every once in a while and just check my promises, check myself. Am I moving in fear, calling it wisdom, or is it something I need to I need to stand? No, God promised right here. Amen. We watch this ministry over there. I've been here 32 years in Key West. And uh, we started, when we started 32 years ago, my God, how can this thing last another week? How can it last another month? Well, it looks like we're going under. Nope, I choose the promises of God and we stand in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I said it this way, I'll leave when I'm the last one to turn out the lights. <laughs> that hasn't happened in 32 years. Praise the Lord. And the church is going up and down. Look, like most churches in, in, the, in the Key West. There's no such thing as a big church in Key West anyway. Uh, never has been. Praise the Lord. Uh, but the fact is, I know one thing. God has you standing for a reason. He has sta- put you in a place for a reason. Ours is not to question the reason. Ours is just to do what God has told us to do. So my bringing my portion and bringing my measure to the Lord is my life. I say, here's my life, Lord. I'm going to give you my measure. And he's pressed down, shaken together, running over, more than we can imagine, my wife and I, more than we can imagine. Amen? The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said this in John 10.10. He said, I came to give you life and life more abundant. That's my portion. Not to kill, steal, and destroy. My portion is the life that Christ came and gave to us. How are we doing this morning? Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like this statement. I've used this a lot, this scripture. I like Romans 8:11. It's one of, my, one of my favorites. How many know that when Jesus died, that he did not raise himself from the dead? I usually share this, and I look at shocked faces when I say that. Jesus did not raise himself from the dead, but the Bible plainly says he was raised by the Holy Spirit. So what happened was he, the Father raised Jesus. So Jesus going to the cross knowing this, sacrificed himself and his life on the cross. Are you following me? With total trust in the Father. Because he couldn't raise himself from the dead. But God sent the Holy Spirit, so he went to the cross and he showed us how to do it. So when he said, when it says in, 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 in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 9 verse 33, he says, he, said, he denied himself, anyone who follows me, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me daily. In other words, what Jesus is saying, transfer all the doubt, all the unbelief, all the questions, all the fears, he said, and transfer that over to total trust in the Father. And with total trust in the Father, what happens to your measure, it grows and grows and grows. And then God is able to pour back in. Amen? If your life isn't being blessed, maybe you need to check your measure. I check mine all the time because we can shrink our measure overnight. Are we here? Praise the Lord. Amen. The cross becomes our portion of trust. Jesus did not command us to make converts. He commanded us to make disciples. Here's the thing. A disciple is one who follows after knowledge or learns. So if we stop learning, are we still his disciples? If we stop seeking after knowledge, we're trying to grow. Are we still his disciples? That's the question. That I'll end with that question this morning. Amen. How many got something out of the message? Amen. Praise the Lord. One more thing. I, I, this has been bugging me all week, but Romans chapter 2, verse 4, you can just jot this down if you want to. This is why we do what we do. The goodness of God leads, leads you to repentance. Fire and brimstone preaching and preaching hell is not plan A. It's always plan B. Plan A of God is preaching the goodness of Christ that leads to repentance. So by showing forth the goodness of Christ and showing forth the goodness of Christ, we'll lead others to the Lord. Are you here this morning? Amen. How many got something out of the word? Amen. Well, if you did, it's not my fault. If you didn't, I should say, it's not my fault. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the word that going forth this morning. I pray that it is taken and received on good fertile ground, Father, in the name of Jesus, that will produce a harvest. I pray for the harvest, of the Lord, in this, in this season. Lord, I thank you, Father God, for, you, for placing us here in Key West, strategically placing us, Father God, to do your work and do your bidding. I give you glory for that. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. But Lord, we also thank you for all the people that help us do that. This is not a one-man show. This is not a one one thing. But we need people, Father God, to help us carry out the plan. And Lord, we bring it. We're living in a time and a season, Father, we see the harvest is ripe right now. In the name of Jesus, we're praying, Father God, send us some harvest workers because we're about to kick it in high gear, more so than we have been. And we thank you, Father, you make all things possible. Help us this morning, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to begin to increase our measure. Increase our measure this morning, Father God, so we can anticipate our measure, anticipate the filling, pressed down, shaken together, and running over from the blessings of heaven in the name of Jesus to increase our measure even more. Father, we thank you because you're the God that does not run out of blessing. You're the God that does not run out of resources. You're the God that does not run out of anything. We thank you, Lord. You're more than enough. We give you praise for it. We thank you, Father God, for fulfillment of everything that we need. I pray now in the name of Jesus Lord that people will rise up and see the value of work in the name of Jesus and not get weary of well-doing. And Lord not put work before before the Lord either because that shrinks our measure also. But Father I thank you in the name of Jesus that we see the value of work because in that value of work it begins to open up our, plan, our purpose and our destiny and the thing you've called us to do. It helps us to discover. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you again for all the ministry of helps here and all of you work for us here. I was, Diane and I were able to go on vacation last week, Lord, without a worry or a care and the church was perfectly taken care of. And I thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise. And everybody in Covenant Word Church said? Amen. Hallelujah.